Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. How many, how many brought your Bibles or brought your app, your, your phone? Okay, I'm going to start a new series that's going to be really life-changing uh, for many of our, our community. And so I'm going to tie it in into our, our, our core values. But I want you to turn uh, to Matthew, uh, sorry, James chapter 1. Now, uh, Victor and them, before you put it on there, don't put it on there yet until I tell you, okay? Uh, but I want them to turn to James chapter 1 because I'm going to give an intro first to the book of James, and then I'm going to cause you to read this, these verses. Now, uh, I had so many, in just eight verses, I have a whole sermon. So let's get ready. We're going to start a new series called Training for Raining. Everybody say that with me. Training for Raining. Say Raining. And I'm not talking about rain that comes from the sky. I'm talking about reigning in authority and rulership. And, and, and listen, and reigning in uh, R-E-I-G-N-I-N-G. Reigning is... Are you fit in your character to be inst- uh, bestowed with respo- kingdom responsibilities? Because I'm here to tell you that although God loves the immature believer, he does. Although he loves the immature believer, he can't trust the immature believer with great responsibility. Now, if you want to reign, if you just want to coast by and be a, a distant Christian that never gets involved and never matures and never gets in leadership capacity stretched, then you do the bare minimum to survive, and even that is scary. But we are all called to radically impact every square inch of where we walk in. And so that is reigning in your business, reigning in your school, reigning in victory over issues in your mind. That means it's possible that you could be free all the time in your mind. All right, so before, before you turn to James chapter 1, uh, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there for the, for the first ha- half of this series, I'm going to talk about something. But I want to give you a, a, re- a, a background. Is that okay? All right, so the... So the the book of James is five chapters, and I want, I'm, I'm giving you a preface so that then I could, I'm giving you the intro, like the, the appetizer, then I'm going to give you the main course all on the same Sunday morning. Is that okay? All right? So the book of James, James here is not the disciple James, like many of you think, that was walking with, with, with Jesus. It's actually, that's not the one historically, the theologians say, wrote the book. The Bible, I mean, his, historically, and theolo- uh, theologians say that the majority of theologians, historians say that it was James, watch this, the brother of Jesus that actually wrote the book of James. Now watch, watch, why is that significant? Because we, we're like, what do you mean, the brother of Jesus? No, I'm not having some weird theology here. That We, we know that, uh, that, that Mary and Joseph had Jesus through supernatural intervention, but after that, they had regular children the regular way. Come on, say amen. They had the, just the regular way. And so we forget that Jesus actually had earthly brothers, not other deities out there. No, we had earthly brothers that were from the natural offspring of Mary and Joseph. Now, why do I say that? This is important because James had a glimpse of Jesus unlike any other disciples because he actually lived with Jesus when Jesus was like 12 years old. Come on. When he was, uh, when he was growing up, when the Son of God, the uncreated God, the uncreated God was growing up. If I, I could have all the people come and, and sit down. There's anybody, Pastor Keith, out there, just bring him in, if you don't mind. 
I want everyone to hear the word. The Son of God, uncreated Son of God, is now living in your house, and you get to see how he lives. <laughs> Can you imagine the, what James saw? I say this because in the book of James, uh, he, he emphasized duty and obedience a lot more than doctrine. I'm giving you an a, a, a intro right here. What do I mean by doctrine? The teaching stuff. But James actually focuses on duties. Watch this. Commands. I know that sounds a little old school, but I'm going to address that. Because we have gotten away from certain vernacular and vocabulary in our church today because of certain revelations of love. Or certain revelations of something and we start a movement on it. And then what happens is that our zeal gets tainted in the, in the, in, in the, in the mix. So, so the book of James has 108 verses and 54 of those verses are straight commands. I mean, there is no, you don't want to hang out around James if you are struggling with hypocrisy. Because James called out hypocrisy and he called out from the church. He, he gave straight commands, not suggestions. And I think that's what we need today in Christianity in America. We don't need to tolerate the, the flimsy, if I, if I could just be bold, uh, hypocritical proclamation of Christianity without the duty of Christianity. And so James actually called out in his day, in his day, the confession of Christianity, but not followed up with the duty of Christianity. Hmm, that doesn't sound like today in America, does it? Where there's confession of Christ, but weak demonstration of Christ. Now, when I say demonstration, I'm not talking about power. I'm talking about looking like Jesus. I'm talking about looking like Jesus. Are you, are you okay with me this morning? Now, I said that all because I, re I realize that the book of James is after something. You have to realize that, that James, and you'll see in the verse when I talk about it right now, he's talking to a scattered people. He's talking to a scattered group of people that lost their homes, that lost their jobs because of persecution. And, and, and I want you to see something here because this is, I'm, this is where I'm going to go and, and, and land in just a second. He's calling for a deep revelation of, of his of relationship with God that's coupled with deep and quick obedience. That's the book of James in a nutshell is commands, commands, instruction, and calling us to a deep relationship with Jesus to outcome a deep and quick and immediate response to his words. Can I hear an amen? And so... Actually, if you look, put that graphic slide. The book of James actually covers the four, the four of our um, of our core values that we've talked about. And I put this really briefly. If you could put the help me out, Zach. If you can't know no, the the core values that I gave you, the slide. You could go ahead and help. Um, it's the four core values that you'll see um, in there, and it's about making disciples. It's about identity. It's about, um, there it is, be rooted in identity, being made whole, if you guys remember that, empowering people and being active in community. And all of those things right here, James actually talks about. So we're actually going through our core values in a powerful way because in this series, we're gonna, James talks about 
being rooted in identity and, uh, and discipleship, and I, I don't want to tell you, leave you that for last. Being made whole, he talks about that in James chapter 4 and 5, uh, through prayer of a righteous man avails much those who are sick. He calls that. Empowering people, he's big on empowering people, especially on social issues when it comes to being active in community. Now, you can take that slide off, and now with that, I want you to see how James starts off his book encouraging a bunch of people. Watch this. This is going to help you. Encouraging a bunch of people who are broken, who are persecuted, who are dispersed, and their homes and their families are separated because of persecution. Look how wonderful James encourages the people. Let's look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1, and we're going to look at NLT. We're going to look at the NLT this time, okay? And if you don't have NLT, just follow along on the screen. So we're going to read from verse 1 and 8, and then we're going to, we're going to break this apart, all right? So, it, by the way, today I'm going to give you a little bit of some filet mignon. So if you guys like taking notes, today is a good day to take notes. Amen. Thank you for those three amens. All right, here it goes. This letter is from James, a slave of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers, look at this, scattered abroad. So he realizes these people are scattered. They're, could you imagine me coming to you guys and encouraging you because your family just been ripped apart because of persecution and you lost your home because of persecution and, and you're looking for something encouraging to take away the pain? And then I start saying these next verses. Are ready? He's like, hey, guys. I'm calling you, I'm, I'm bringing you guys together, those who are persecuted, those who are, 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 are kind of messed up. Look at what he says. I know we said it before, but I got a revelation of this. Look at NLT. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great, what? For great joy. Again, there's another word that says joy. Why? For you know that when your faith is tested. Now, I, I, I want you to, in your Bibles, or if you have a way to circle this or highlight that, in your app or in your Bible, I want you to circle the phrase, faith is tested. This is a little foreshadow. Faith, everybody say, faith is tested. Say it one more time. Faith is tested. Now, if you know anything of the Bible, you know that faith is good. So I'm going to give you a, a foreshadow of something. When faith is tested, there's a difference between your faith being tested and being attacked by the devil. Don't make me drop the mic early in this preaching moment here. Because a lot of times what we call attacks of the devil is actually God testing our faith. When your faith, everybody say your faith. When your faith is tested, I'm, I'm going to break that down a little bit more. Look at this. It says your endurance or patience, another translation says patience. So every time you see endurance, you see there's a word patience. When your faith is tested, then your endurance or your patience has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed or patience is fully developed. Now, this is a radical statement. You will be perfect. That doesn't mean perfection. That word perfect means to a state of maturity. You will arrive into a state of maturity and be complete. Watch this. Lacking nothing. No, come on, Pastor George. There must be some other things that I'm lacking. He says, if your patience and your endurance is strong through the testing of your faith, you will be complete and mature and you'll lack nothing. I'm going to explain why that is a powerful statement in just a few minutes. I'm going to explain that to you. 
If, now, now watch this. A perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I'm going to read verse 5 uh, uh, through, through, um, through 8, and then I'm going to backtrack and give it to you all. Is that okay? If you need wisdom, now I want you to hear this because I've read this for years, and I always thought this was another thought, but it's not. It looks like James kind of slipped his head and just decided to talk about wisdom now, right? Because it doesn't seem to make sense. He says, if you need wisdom, ask for our generous God, and he'll give it to you, and he will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a per- Now, I get revelations every time I read the Now, watch what he said. Let's just see if you catch it. Do not waver. For a person with a divided loyalty, wait, he didn't say divided loyalty, he said waver. But yet he's, he's giving a definition of what wavering means. He said for a, because in the, in the New King James, what does it say? For those who have New King James. The New King James actually says the word wavering again. Do not waver. For those who waver, right, you guys with me? It's like, a, it's like a person tossed to a sea. So it says it twice. But in the NLT, it says, do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty, that means wavering by definition is divided loyalty with the, with the world and with God, is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown away and tossed by the wind, verse 7. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. That's really powerful. Their, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, here comes the gangster moment here. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. That is, what? Where, he, where did he get that come from? No, I'm just, I'm just struggling a little bit. James, what are you talking about? He actually realizes that the progression of trials, and I'm getting early here, and the, the lack of you not surrendering to make your patience and endurance strong will lead to a progression of not just doubting, but split loyalty. Now, I'm going to get that because I'm going to explain to you why people have split loyalty. People who are on fire for God don't just wake up one morning and say, you know what? I'm going to have a desire for the world and with God at the same time. They don't do that. What happens is that trials come and they don't know the purpose of the trials and they'll slip into a progression that I'm going to give you this morning. Can I hear an amen? And so here he comes and encourages them. Put the first slide up there, please. The first slide, look at this. The book of James gives us a training for reigning. And it's a turbo course, it's a turbo course on personal spiritual growth and maturity. It's up there. The book of James gives us training for reigning. It's a turbo course. Everybody say turbo course. It's like a crash course on personal growth and maturity. I wish you could have that in the physical. I wish I had a crash course on a weekend and I get six, a six-pack on the weekend. In my stomach, but it doesn't do that. But James, the book of James, if you apply it in your life, it will cause exponential growth to your spiritual life and to your mental life and to your thought life. It will give you a supercharge in this because he, he now, now, now watch the ridiculous. He goes, he goes, when you have these trials, here's where I'm going to get at. Count it all joy. What? In the natural, that doesn't make sense. Count all this suffering, joy, my family being split apart, joy. What's wrong with you, James? You're too insensitive. If Pastor George said that to a bunch of hurting people, the people would leave the church. He says, hey, guys, count it all joy. Why? Why count it all joy? Because in other words, what God is trying to say is all this stuff, 
that is happening in your life, count it joy because it's working for you a supercharged activity into your spirit, into your mind. And watch this, you are going to grow up out of the cycle that you've been in. And you're going to graduate from a, a, a Christian that needs milk or a Christian that always gets offended or a Christian that always seeks to have their opinion right or a Christian that is always complaining. You'll graduate if you allow these trials. You count it all joy because the joy is not in the pain. The joy is in the spiritual growth that's going to happen in your spirit and your mind. When you surrender, you will become strong because when you, when you surrender to the to purpose of your current trial, you'll be stronger when future trials come. Anybody work out here? Anybody goes to the gym here? Anybody work out? Come on, my boy Xavier. I know he does. He's all swole all the time. It's almost like me, but it's okay. He's just working on it. No, but watch it. When you go to the gym, right? Well, you, you start off with certain weights, and that and, and at first you're like, oh, God, 125 pounds, whatever. I don't even know if that's bad or not. And you're just like, oh, you're, just, you're lifting in 150 pounds. <laughs> you're like, oh, and, and everyone's, and, and, and like you look around, you know, these, these buff guys, and they're like 300 pounds, like, like my boy Kevin. He's going, bah, 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 right? And you're like, you're like barely doing a hundred. You know, I still, I still remember, I, I can't do a pull-up. I'm, I'm like, oh, like, but. I know friends of mine that they couldn't do one pull-up, but they started doing one pull-up. They said, let me just do two. And they did two. All of a sudden, as they did two or three pull-ups consistently, no longer was one pull-up hard. Because future, the, the way that you respond to current trials will make you stronger for future trials. In other words, you will be, it will make it easy because your trials may be at a level of 150 pounds right now. And to you, you're like, oh, God, this trial is so hard. But keep pressing. Keep counting it all joy. Keep realizing that it's working in you something powerful than what you're feeling. And your character is building you up. So the next time you go to the spiritual gym called life, that 150 pounds will be easy. This is why he says count it all joy because it's, James is trying to tell us, uh, the reader here, that the things that we're going through is not by accident. And it's not a coincidence and it's not a waste. He's actually saying the, the trials that you're going through are not by accident. As a matter of fact, I'm going to let you in on something. The devil didn't probably send it to you if it's your faith being tested. It's me that's sending it to you. You say, wait, wait, what, 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 is that, what, is that, what does that mean? Because it's not by coincidence and it's not a waste. He's doing something because he wants to use that in you to grow you, to grow your character, to grow your, me your mental state, to grow your spirit so that you can be trusted with things that he wants to give you to affect the world. God, as much as you love your son or your daughter that's three years old, you love them. How many, how many have kids below, below five years old or below ten years old? Just for, how many? Do, do all you guys love them? Come on, speak back at me. We're a church you can speak back. Do you love them with all your heart? With all your heart. Would you give them the keys to your car to drive? Oh, you're such a mean parent. How, you, don't, you don't love your kids because you don't give them access to everything. No, you don't say that, do you? It's normal for you to say, I love him with all my heart, but he, because I love him, I'm not giving him the keys. Trials are preparation for the keys. 
Did you hear what I said? It's preparation for the keys. Look at the next slide in there. The next slide in there is trials and tribulations are not side rows. Oh, I'm going to run around the church by myself. They're not side roads in our life. They are the main roads for spiritual maturity and training in our life. Listen, listen, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen today. They're not side roads. Everybody say this. Say, say trials, my trials are not side roads. They're main roads. I'm going to prophesy to you, stop thinking that this is just going to be over real quick. It's the main highway that God has you for spiritual growth. I am convinced the more I study scripture, the more I realize that this is intentional. It's not, it's not a side road. It's I-4. It is, the main, it is the main road. You say, wait a minute, why? What do we use side roads for? Come on, I'm going to preach a little bit here. What do we use side roads for? To avoid... We, we use side roads to avoid traffic because it's inconvenient. We, we avoid congestion because we don't have patience. We, because no one likes to get there with all these red lights. We want to go the quick route. So side roads are symbolic of shortcuts to a destination. And so when you have side roads, you sometimes get there quicker. But the way to get your destination is not through side roads, it's through the main road. And sometimes certain destinations have no side roads. You just have to buckle up and you have to go through that 429 or you have to go to I-4 and there's no way around it. And you just got to just grit your teeth and you just got to get there in I-4 and you got to get there to bumper to bumper traffic. Why? Because there's no side roads. Guess what? For spiritual maturity, there's no side roads in the kingdom. No side roads in the kingdom of maturity. If you want spiritual growth, if you want responsibility, and if you want God to trust you with great things, there is no side road. And so what he does is say, welcome to the spiritual gymnasium called trials. And it's the main road. Stop. (laughs) Stop rebuking what God is bringing you into. What are you, are you doing good all these trials? You interpret trials as an attack from the enemy when it's God putting you into the gym. I'm serious. I'm serious. You don't rebuke the gym when you go out there, but you hurt. You don't say, oh, I just, I'm just getting attacked. Well, hey, hey, someone who just got, did crunches, right? You did crunches, and the next day, suddenly you feel sore. You're like, oh, what's wrong? I don't know. I don't know. I just feel sore. <laughs> God, I rebuke this pain. No, you're supposed to feel sore because you worked out. But inside, it's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. You count it all joy, not because it feels good, because of what it will produce in you. The longer you resist, the longer the trial. You can't shortcut the wilderness, but you can elongate it. Oh, man. It's scriptural. It's scriptural. You, how many, go ahead, Israel, you don't know again. Go ahead and circle around that mountain again. Finally, he got tired. He goes, how many times are you going to circle that mountain? You're not f- Here's the revelation. If God is testing, everybody say he's testing, our faith. That means we're all under an exam. God is watching (laughs) to see how we respond to the test. And I will confess that I have failed at times 
how that test is, how I respond. Because God loves you so much that he doesn't want to leave you the way you're at. Yes, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. Come as you are. That's right. Broken, miserable, all, all G'd up. <laughs> but when you come back to your house and you get into your word, God says, come as you are for salvation, but don't stay as you are. Because it's ridiculous in the physical. Remember, you could always explain spiritual things with physical things. How weird would it be if I would come up here in diapers every single Sunday? Some of you just had a horrible uh, thought. <laughs> but but uh, what if I acted like that? That was normal. Yes, and I have this big old pampers on. Hey, come on, man. And then when the song didn't go my way, oh, come on. Or, I didn't, or, or, or the sermon is not touching me. Oh, God. And, and then I think that, what if, if, if I thought that was normal? You'd be like looking at me like I'm never going to this church again. Why? God looks at that and says it's abnormal for you to be a Christian life and be walking with the Lord and still be in diapers after a couple of years. Listen, your, your, your longevity in the Lord does not equate to spiritual character growth. You could be saved 20 years and still be a baby in the Lord. But you could be saved three years and you could be a giant in the Lord if you allow the word and the trial to work in you a far more weight of glory than you could ever think of. Come on, say amen. Say amen. So watch this. Now, in this time, it says, count it all joy. Say, count it all joy. Say, count it all joy. So, what does it mean to have your faith tested? Let's, let's talk about this for a second. What does it mean to have your faith tested? Ready? I'm going to give you an example because Pastor John actually gave an example last week. Pastor John spoke a fire message last week. But what does it mean to have your faith tested? Are you ready? I'm going to give you some biblical examples and some, some real examples. So, number one, your faith is tested when, like Abraham, God told Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. You waited 100 years for a son, and this is what, your faith, this is what it means, feels like to, be, to have your faith tested. Number one, you, you're praying for something, you actually get it, and then when that son that you waited 100 years for, when he's about 13, 14, or 15, guess what happens? God says, hey, I want you to sacrifice him to see if you really love me. Now, the funny thing about it is that God didn't tell him it was a test. That would be easy. You would pass the test easy if God tells you, hey, what you're doing is a test. No, he just leaves it up to you to interpret based on his character and his goodness. So he says, go ahead and kill your son. Now, instinctively, Abraham must have known that this was a test because he was obedient to the test. Now watch. After that, you know what happens? He was about to kill him, but God says, no, now I know that you love me. And he didn't do it. All right? Number two. How, how does, how, what does it look like testing your faith? And by the way, the testing of his faith produced Abraham to get a great reward. He goes, because you trusted me, look up in the stars. He said, look. He says, can you count them? Can you count them? No. That's how many people you're going to be blessed, how many descendants are going to be blessed of you. That's what he said that. Not, here's, another, here's another way. How about enduring some pain? Here's your faith being tested. Enduring some emotional pain. That's, that's your faith being tested. Watching a loved one go through something. 
That's, that's your faith being tested. That is not necessarily an attack of the enemy. Now, there's, there's, the Lord uses the trials that are some the purpose for, for your growth. The enemy uses it for his good too. And I'll explain that in a second because I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but I'm almost there. Enduring some pain. How about this? Here's a testing your faith. Praying and not getting an answer. Praying and not getting an answer. How many have prayed and not got an answer? Huh? How many have prayed and not got an answer? That's not the devil attacking you. That is God testing your faith if you still believe after two, three years, after four years. Now watch. Here's another example of, of your faith being tested. Because James said when your faith is tested, that's the key. When your faith is tested, your endurance or patience has a chance to grow. How does your endurance grow? How does your, how does your patience grow? When your faith is tested. Look at this. I watch this. And I, look, I think of PK when I think about this. Here's another example of your faith being tested. When you receive shocking news that is insurmountable or impossible in the natural for you to achieve or that shocks you and, and, and shakes you. I remember when we first got the news that we had to come up with $20,000 in one month to close in this building. And for a split moment, my, I turned white. They're like, hey, you have to, we have to come up. Uh, how, how much is it, PK? About $10,000. No, it's about $20,000. $20,000 above our operating expenses. And good old PK, I love PK. The hot, this, this church could be on fire. He goes, don't worry, calm down. The fire department is on their way. Let's just sit down. They're on their way, P, PG. I'll be like, no, get a fire hose, get whatever, right? When I said, when I received that news, it tested, he, he said this, he goes, PG. God is just testing our faith. I'm like, I don't want to be tested anymore. <laughs> Hurry up, Lord. Stop testing me. Can I just final finishing this, this exam? He goes, God is just testing your faith. And then another news will happen, and it kind of rattles us. God is just testing your faith. And I'm noticing that the more and more things happen, the less reactionary I become. Because if he did it before... <laughs> He'll do it again. If you endure this, you, the next trial that comes is going to be like little feathers compared to the 130 pounds, 50 pounds that you lifted up in the spirit through trials. Come on, say amen. amen. Or when your finances are choking you. That's a sign of testing your faith. Listen to me. Testing your faith. So here's now, now buckle your seatbelts. Now this is where I'm going to get really good if it hasn't been good already. Are you ready for this? You can take notes. I'm going to tell, tell you something. If your faith is being tested and without faith it's impossible to please God, uh-oh, if your faith is tested, is being tested, and if, it's, and if the scripture says without faith it's impossible to please you, God, then the purpose of the testing, are you ready to shout, cannot be from the devil. If your faith is being tested and without faith is impossible to please God, why would the devil taste, test something that's impossible to please God? Why would he enhance something that is actually pleasing God in your life? That means the purpose of the testing of your faith can never be purposed by the enemy. The enemy could use what's meant for good to try to get the wrong perspective 
and look at it from his way. But watch this. If it's the testing of your faith, then the purpose cannot be from the devil. Are you ready for this? Ready? I'm going to give you some revelation. Purpose always comes before creation. Now, then that means, oh, that's just a little deep. That's just too deep for me. What does that mean? Purpose, everybody say this. Purpose comes before creation. Say it again. Purpose comes before creation. Let me tell you this. What does that mean? That means the, the, the manufacturer of a watch thought of a purpose first before he created the watch. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. In other words, he says, I need something that tells time, so I'm going to create something that fits my purpose. In other words, he doesn't create a watch and say, now, what are we going to use this equipment for? What are we going to use this for? I don't know. It looks really good. No, he goes, I know exactly what this is for because before I created it, it has a purpose. Let me tell you something. If that's true, then the trials and the testing of your faith already has a predestined purpose for you. Now watch. This is going to be really deep. But both the testing of your faith, there's both God and the devil are after one thing. The same thing. Are you ready? The testing of your faith, both the Lord and the devil are after the same thing. And that is the image and reflection of themselves after the testing. You, 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 didn't, you, didn't, you didn't say amen. In other words, the testing of your faith is from the Lord's side wanting to, after the testing, look at the fire that you've in and see his image. But the testing of your faith to many in the body of Christ, when they don't discern, discern that the testing of the faith is actually purposed by God, remember purpose comes before creation, then you know what happens? Then we'll start looking like the image of the enemy. Because how we respond Two trials and fiery trials will determine the image that we see. Did you hear this? Put that up there. Depending on, put that slide up there. Depending on how we react to trials, the testing of your faith will either produce a greater image of God in your life or a greater image of the devil in your life. I'm going to say that again because some of you guys are asleep. Depending on how we react, everybody say react. So here's the thing. The image comes from the reacting. How you react. Let me give you an example. When there's a testing of your faith and you respond like this. Lord, you're not real anymore. Like I did during some of my afflictions. Lord, I'm tired of prophecies. Lord, I'm tired. I don't feel right. Lord, you're not, you're not being true to your word. You know what I'm doing? I'm more and more becoming like the accuser of the brethren. The, it, the trials are actually forming me into someone that I'm not. Trials has the ability to change you for the good or for the bad. For the good or the bad. And unfortunately, a lot of people that are in following Christ, they have these severe trials. And what comes out of their mouth is the image of the devil more than there is of God. But the goal, if I say the goal, of the testing is the image of either the, the, the devil or God. Why? Because it's the reflection, Christ-likeness. In other words, when you give in and surrender the right way to the testing, humility will come out of you. 
words of faith will come out of you when everything in you is hurting and every part of your body is hurting. I am the healed of the Lord. You will stop fighting and you start surrendering. Can I hear, can I hear an amen? And so why do I say this? Because we need to stop calling testing an attack. Because the, the enemy and God are after the same thing. Now, I, I've told you before, and I, say it, I don't want to say it again because I've said it a couple of times. The, the story of the silversmith, when he gets uh, metal to the fire, right? I've told you that before, and then all the impurity rises up. I don't want to get that, but what I want to get is when he, at the end, when I told you that the silversmith knows when to pull it out of the fire when he sees his reflection. Well, here's my question to you. When the silversmith is finished with the testing of your faith, what reflection is he seeing in your life? What reflection do you have? Come on, come on. Say amen. Come on, say amen. Be- Why do we need this message? Because so often in the American church, we're trained to have and believe things like this. Quote, if you come to the Lord, Jesus is going to make you happy. And he's going to make get, uh, take all the pain away. And he's going to make you rich. And he's going to make you prosperous. And you know what? Maybe those things will happen. But that's not the purpose of you coming to Jesus. Because Jesus does not necessarily want to make you more happy. He wants to make you more holy. What if, oh, I'm going to hide behind the pulpit for a second. What if the purpose, one of the main purposes for marriage is not just to get you happy, but to get you holy? Believe me, I've become much more humble and holier through marriage. Why? Because marriage will expose the worst things out of you and the greatest things out of you too. Why? Because you have to yield and surrender and you have to live with another person and two have to become one. Don't tell me. If you've never been married, you never know what I'm talking about. You just, you just, think, you just think everything is like, I will show you the world. And not, nah, 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 nah. No, no, no. No, no, no. When you get married, you will, you will have bouts with unhappiness, with happy. But that, the goal of marriage is not for you to be happy. If that happens, great. The goal of marriage is you be one. And in the process of you being one, you become holy. Come on. Married people say amen. You know what I'm talking about. You're not always speaking in tongues when you see that, hear that nasty breath and the hair all messed up in the morning. And the attitudes. And some of you have to endure long through the, through the attitude of the other person. Now, why do I say that? It's because we've preached the gospel. Come to Jesus and everything will be fine and dandy. When it's actually like, no. No. Uh, what God is doing is not just to make you happy. He wants to make you become more like him. Have you ever considered this as the goal of your life? Come to Jesus and become more like him. That means the more trials that are being sent your way through the testing of your faith is because it's needed. Do you know that a teacher gives tests because he wants you to pass? And it's necessary to go to the, watch this, next level. You can't go to the next level without passing certain tests. Even driving you have to pass a test. So I want you to start looking at your faith being tested as not an attack anymore, that there's a purpose. That's why James was able to say, count it all joy. Come on, say amen. Count it all joy. The good news is if you pass the test, your endurance will have a chance to grow, and you'll be complete, lacking nothing. The, what does patience and endurance mean? Real quick. All right. You write this down if you're taking notes. Patience and endurance means this. The ability, oh, this is so good. I'm going to slap myself, but I won't. The ability to endure long without manifestation of negative emotions. Write that down. Put it on your phone. Quote me. 
patience or endurance means, biblical terms, the ability to endure long without the manifestation of negative emotions. That's why in the Old Testament, guess what another word for patience was in the New King James? Sorry, in the Old King James, long-suffering. You know why it's called long-suffering? Because you suffer long. Listen to me. Patience in the King James means long-suffering. He says when you could suffer long, you're complete. You won't lack nothing. Watch, watch this. Watch this. Now, this is where I'm going to get good. This is where I'm going to get good at. Are you getting something this morning? Wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. Put that next slide on wisdom. Now, you think. Now, now remember, he talks about trials. He talks about joy. And then, then watch me. Watch me. Look at me for a second before you see the slide. Then James starts talking about wisdom. He's like, okay, I guess he just changed his thought. He's talking about count it all joy when you fall into various trials for the testing of your faith will produce your, your, your endurance to grow and so let it chance to grow. So he's saying all this and all of a sudden he kind of like slips his head seemingly and he just says, anybody that wants wisdom, ask God for it. I'm thinking, okay, we're moving on from trials to wisdom. But I'm here to tell you it's all one stream of thought because the, the, the Lord knew that when we, oh, I feel like shouting, that when you go through a trial, you need wisdom on how to react to that trial or, all, or else you'll look like fools if you don't have the wisdom to respond properly to trials. Some of you all singing that song, you all going to make me lose my mind up in here. Y'all going to make me act a fool up in here? Bunch of worldly people. Come on, what are you talking about? <laughs> Listen, you know why wisdom is needed? Because it's in direct correlation with the trials that you're facing. Because without wisdom, you'll act like a fool. Put that graphic up there, Victor, my main man. Trials and testing have the, no, not that one, not that one. The wisdom one, the wisdom one, the wisdom that James talks about. Zach, we don't need, uh, we don't, we don't need the sound right now. We could, you can help him back there. The wisdom that James talks about, look, look at this, is in direct reference on how to respond to the testing of our faith and trials. It's not just wisdom needed so that you can make a good business decision. That's not what he's talking about here. Can you apply it? Yes. But that's not the context for the wisdom here. The context for wisdom is you need wisdom because you're just facing these fire trials that are testing your faith. And if you don't have wisdom, you're going to start talking really rudely. Oh, come on, man. You're going to start doubting, so you need to pray for wisdom. Wisdom is so important that the, the Bible says that's one of the main things to get for when you pray. Actually, James has actually given us a secret to what to pray for during trial. How many of you have been tested in your faith? Then the Lord is saying when you're being tested, before you utter a word, he's giving you the answer to the test. Pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. Look at Proverbs chapter 4. Look at what it says. Look what the Bible says about wisdom. Look at what it says about wisdom. Look at this. It says, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5. Look at this. Look at this. Here it is. It says, get what? Wisdom. What, what does it say? Get what? Okay, get wisdom in the New King James. Get understanding. Don't forget it, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forget her. Now, that word her is talking about wisdom. It's not talking about a female. 
He's talked, just like the nation has a feminine connotation to it, like the nation, like she forgot God, that's talking, the nation is in a feminine tone. Well, that word wisdom is talking about, when it says her, it's talking about wisdom the whole time. It says, get wisdom, get understanding, don't turn from my words. Look at verse 6. Look at verse 6. When he went, no, 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 not Job. What are you talking about? Not, not Job. No, no, no. Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4, verse 5 through 7. Proverbs 4, look at, look at this. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. Now watch this. Look at, look at verse 6. Back up in, your, in verse 6. Do not forsake her. Say her. Do not forsake wisdom. Do not forsake her, and she, wisdom, wisdom will preserve you. Hello? Love her, or love wisdom, and wisdom will... Hello? That's why James says, ask those of you who lack wisdom, ask for it right now. <laughs> because at any time that you need wisdom the most is right after your faith is being tested. Oh, this is good stuff. He says that's why time and time again the Bible exalts wisdom because we will be, here's the progression. All right, here's the progression. I, I've read this for years, but I don't realize all this is a progression. Number one. The first progression is your faith is tested. The second progression is that it will have an opportunity for your endurance or faith to grow. You know what happens if, you're, if you don't cause your faith or your patience to grow and you don't ask for wisdom to respond rightly? Remember, your response determines your image, the image. Always remember that. How I respond determines the image either the enemy or God in my life through trials. And if that doesn't work. You know what lack of wisdom will produce? Look at James chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. In the, new, in, the, in the NLT. Look at what it says, all right? So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Look at verse 5. If you need wisdom, again, he's not, he didn't bump his head. Ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for, answer, for asking. Watch this. Watch this. But when you ask him, here's the progression. If you don't have the wisdom, if you don't seek it in faith, the wisdom, watch. Be sure that your faith is in God alone. And do not waver or doubt, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Look at verse 7. I know we read it, but look at it. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Now look at verse 8. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. And you know what the Bible says in the New King James? Do not expect that person to receive anything. So if we don't have wisdom to respond accurately, here's the progression. We will slip into doubt. And if doubt remains, oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. If doubt remains unchecked at the door, it will produce a split loyalty in our heart. One half of our heart will say, Lord, I'm going through these testings. I love you. I trust you. I'm going to wait. And the other part of your heart will seek worldly methods to solve that pain and solve that trial. You know what? This is too deep of a trial, too deep of a hurt. I'm just going to go out and get drunk. I'm going to have a few beers. And you know what? If I get drunk, I get drunk. It don't matter. It's a split loyalty on how to deal with trials. It's a split loyalty that says, you know what? I'm so hurting right now that, you know what, I deserve a day off. Have you guys ever uh, worked out so, or, or been on a diet for a long time? What happens when you, when you end that diet? You go to town. 
You're like, I'm going to have three cheesecakes and five cookies. Because I, I, I withheld myself for three months from any sweets. You better believe I'm going to get some sweets. Now, now why, why, do I, why do I say that? Why do I say that? Why do I say that? Because when you don't have wisdom during your fiery trials, your heart will be split into the counsel of the world and the counsel of God of how to deal with it. We numb our pain through worldly methods. In other words, watch this. Let's, how does that translate in today? We'll rush into relationships to try to heal the loneliness of our heart. Worldly methods. Rush. We won't wait because now our heart is divided. Our hearts are divided. Or, or we'll get some sort of, of, of pill that will cause us to get addicted rather than trusting God because it's quicker that way. I'm not against pills. I'm not against medication. But if we're putting that first before I trust God alone, then there's a problem. Can I hear an amen? Now watch this. Here's the good, here's the good part. When our faith is being tested, God, here's the good news, guys. Are you getting something this morning? God is actually working on our behalf. Here's, here's the next slide. God is actually working on our behalf behind the scenes. Everybody say behind the scenes. But many times we won't be able to perceive or notice it. When our faith is being tested, everybody say, when my faith is being tested, God is actually working behind the scenes. But we won't be able to see it. See, that's the discouraging part because we don't believe that God is, and you say, well, that's just really preaching. I'm actually going to give you a scripture that proves that God is working behind the scenes, and while he's working, you don't see him. But just because you don't see him doesn't mean he's not working. It's like that old fable says, if a tree falls and you don't see it, did the tree actually fall? Of course it fell. Just because you didn't see it doesn't mean that it didn't fall. All right, now you can put the, that scripture in Job now. Scripture in Job, verse 23. Watch this. Oh, this is how testing feels. I'm going to set you guys free. You're going to shout, hopefully, in your heart. I can hear it in your heart. Look, I go forward. Watch this. But he's not there. Backwards. And I cannot perceive him. Have anybody ever felt this way? When he, oh, look, 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 look. This is proof. This is proof. This is proof he's working behind the scenes. When he works on the left. Not, not, not when he's absent on the left. When he works on the left, watch this, I cannot behold him. Wait, but he's working. He's working behind the scenes. I just can't see him. When he works on the left, I cannot behold him. And when he turns to the right, I cannot see him. Watch this. This is the good news. But he knows the way that I take. And when he, who's he? Who's he, guys? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Who's he? Who's he? Is it the devil? No. When God has, what's that word right there? Tested me, I shall come forth as gold. When I go to the front, he's not there. When I go behind, he's not there. When I go to my left, when he's working on my left, see what happens when he's working on the left? Come here, come here, PK. Come here, come here. Here's what's happening. Here's what's happening. He, this is not planned, so come up here. So he's, he, let's pretend he's God, right? And I'm everyone here. I'm you, right? We're going through the testing, and we're not seeing him. But we, because we don't see him, we think that he's forgotten about us. 
So watch this. I want you to turn to your right on the count of three. Turn to your right and look at me. No, no, no. Look at me. No, no. Straight, straight, straight. When I say three, turn to your right and look at me. Say, when he turns to the right, one, two, three. I don't see him. He's working on my behalf. Do something like you're working on me or something. Okay. <laughs> He's working on me, right? Watch it. <laughs> But I'm complaining. I have fiery trials. I don't know what's happening. But yet he's working on me, but I can't see him. So I start complaining. I start complaining, right? And so watch this. When I say count, uh, when I say uh, 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 turn to the left, you turn left. Ready? One, two, three. Lord, where are you? Now he turns to the left. Look at that. Look at that. Look at verse, the, the, the verse that I gave you, Job chapter 4. Watch this. Verse 23, verse uh, whatever that is, a couple verses before. When he works on the left, I cannot behold him. Watch this. But yet he's working on me. Here's, but here's three words that will change your life and is the antidote for absolute reason for the testing. Are you ready? Right? These three words are revolutionary. Look at verse 10 again. But he knows. I may not give it up for PK. <laughs> worship team, I need you to come up. I need the worship team to come up. Are you getting something? I may not know what he's doing. Oh, thank God, he said, but he knows. But he knows. But he knows. The way that I take, when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Now, watch this, watch this. This is so amazing. This is amazing. Because what you have to realize is that the testing of your faith is producing in you a powerful, powerful reality. Look at this. I skipped some of the, the things, but I want you to see. Trials and testing has the capacity to make us look like completely different people. Put that slide up there. Look at that. Look at, look at the slide, guys. Trials and testing has the capacity to make us look like completely different different people. And you know what the Bible says about wavering? It says, do not waver, right? I looked at the word wavering, and it means to withdraw away from not to be steady. Not to be steady. And so the book of Job tells you that he is working behind the scenes. How many have you been tested in your faith but do not see God? Wow. Just, just this amount of people. I'm going to say that again. How many have been tested in your faith but you don't see God? Do you realize, according to Job, he's working something? Because you're turning to the left. Now watch this. This is just my personal revelation. Sometimes the reason you can't see him, it doesn't say this in the book of Job. This is the PGV version. It's because while he's working on you, you're so focused on trying to extinguish the testing of your faith that you fail to see him in the midst of it. You're trying to extinguish the pain, the fire that's going on, and you're looking for a spiritual fire hydrant when the whole time he's actually working something in us. Can I say an amen? Can I hear an amen? amen. This is the feeling of being severely tested, and you cannot see him. But let me tell you something, and we're, we're about to close. He says, I may not know the way, but he knows the way. Oh, I may not know what he's doing in my life. I may not know why the stripping is happening. I may not know why my faith is being tested, but he knows. We could go home and say, but he knows. 
But then he says, not only does he know, he says, when he is finished with my testing, I'll come out as gold. Now, what is gold? I'm closing with this. What does gold symbolize? You guys could, could uh, share. Now, watch this. We're going to call. I know it's 1215. Just hold on. Gold symbolizes three, a lot of things, but to me, three main things. And you can write it down. It's not going to be on, on the screen. But gold symbolizes, number one, purification. Everybody say purification. That means gold cannot be pure without going through the fire. Some of you guys have some good bling bling on your, on your, on your hands and on your wrists and on your neck. It paid a price to get that pure. And guess what? The more pure it is, the more expensive it is. The more valuable it is. But it had to go through an intense purification process to come out as gold. He says, when he has tested me, I shall come out. Come on, say that with me. When he has tested me, I shall come out as pure gold. So number one, the, de- the definition for gold is purification. Some of you, you're in a purification process. That's why your faith is being tested. Your faith is being tested when you're trying to live holy. Your faith is being tested when you're trying to believe God for a miracle. Number two, the de- second definition of, of purification, I'm sorry, of, of gold is preparation. Purification and then preparation. In other words, your testing of your faith is actually preparing you for something. Now, you don't know, but guess what? It may be a ministry that's going to change the world. It may be a business that's going to touch thousands of lives, that's going to impact millions of dollars in the kingdom of God. But before they tr- God trusts you with millions, he's got to see if you could not complain when you have $100. Preparation. Not, not, not side road. Preparation is the main road. And that main road is called trials. That's why James could say, he had a revelation. He goes, count it all joy, guys. It's not about this American dream that says you're going to get everything you want. It's about counting it all joy because you're actually going to be stronger. Oh, you're actually not going to, you're going to argue less because you're going to learn this lesson. Your language is going to change from being this, this combative person that just spews out negativity to a person that holds their tongue. Count it a all joy. It's because he loves you. Your faith is being tested. What God was trying to do with some of the things that I've been tested was to see if I could continue to either give glory to God or give glory to the devil. Let me tell you, when you go through some pain, The real you will come out. That's why he has to test you. Because he wants you to look like him at the end of the day. And lastly, it's purification, preparation, and number three, maturity. Gold symbolizes the finished product. Oh, It's the finished product that means now you are trustworthy to be given responsibility. Or to be placed in positions of leadership. Why? Because now I know you won't wound anybody with your wounds. If I'm going to place you in a, in a position that you're shepherding uh, people or shepherding this person or, or mentoring youth, I want to make sure that your faith is tested because if not, the things that remain unchecked will spew out to the people that you're trying to help. 
And now the people you're trying to help, they're seeing you saying, I don't know if God's going to come through or not, but you know what? We're just going to get it together. Have you seen that commercial where the surgeon comes in? I think it was an insurance commercial. And he's like, hey, guess who got instated? Right, that commercial. And this guy is laying at the operating table. And he's going, uh-oh. And, and the doctor comes in. He goes, hey, are you nervous? Have you seen that commercial? Are you nervous? And the guy goes, yeah. And the doctor goes, yeah, me too. But we'll figure it out. That's what an undisciplined, shortcutted Christian that tries to take side roads to maturity looks like when they're trying to be in a position of leadership or position of influence. I don't know, we'll just figure it out. Me and you, we'll figure it out together. And the person's like, I'm looking to you to give me hope and you can't figure it out. I'm not saying to be perfect. I'm saying that there's a reason. Here's a progression of gold. Purification, preparation, maturity. Say that with me. Purification, preparation, Maturity, one more time. Purification, it hurts. Preparation, maturity. I want you all to stand up right now with me. Come on. I want you to stand up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, before, before we pray, I want you to see this. If you have gone through some fiery testing in your life currently, I want you to see this before we go. I'm not even going to tell you to close your eyes. I want you to look at me. If you're going through some fiery trials and testing your faith recently, testing of your faith, lift up your hands. I'm going to do something. Come on. If you're recently going through it, not, not, listen, not being attacked by the devil. Testing of your faith. Now, the testing of your faith can evolve into the image of the enemy because of what you choose to surrender. But it, the purpose comes before creation, remember. So the purpose of the testing of your faith is so that your faith and your endurance could grow. So watch, if you are here and you lifted up your hands, God is giving you a chance to surrender afresh to the original purpose of that testing which is to grow your patience, to grow your endurance so that he could trust you. Come on, how many want to do that? Come on, lift up your hands right now. Come on, we're going to worship all over this place. And I'm going to ask in just a few minutes those who lifted up your hands and say, you know what, I, my faith is tested. I want to have an invitation to grow. God has given you an invitation to grow this morning. You provide the fire and I'll become the sacrifice. I want you to lift up your hands right now and surrender to the process of the testing. Come on, right now, in your own words, lift up your hands. We worship. Come on, come on. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.